Raise the Flag podcast. I am your host, Nick Italiano, here with my co-host, Tom Nugent of Knives by Nuge. What's up, Tom? Hi. Hello. How goes it? Oh, it goes. I am so caffeinated. It's ridiculous. It was this cup of nine uh, cups in the morning so far? Yeah, I don't know. I'm on like the third pot that I've made since 7.30. Because <laughs> so. health. Because health. Well, you know, I have kids and kids um, are exhausting. So... You know, it's, it gets to the point where I would be on, like, midnight tours, and I'd be like, I'm not getting any more awake from this coffee. I'm just now sleepy with an elevated heart rate. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, you know, I don't know. It's one of the – you ever get one of those situations where it's like you're tired and you know you should go to sleep, but you've kind of just reached the point of no return where it's like, well, there's just no point in going to sleep anymore. I'm just going to stay awake and be delirious for the rest of the day. No, no, because I fall asleep on my couch uh-huh. at, like, 8 o'clock now. Yeah, well – I so I do that new too now as I've gotten do, do, older. Do, do, do. Words, but, but words. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we so get anyway. words today. Yeah, words are good. Anyway, enough complaining about being tired and being highly caffeinated. How's life, man? I heard you had a show over the weekend and you sold some knives, which is busy cool. as shit. Yeah, the show is good. I mean, you know what's always funny about these things is like last episode we were talking about how I'm wicked spinach. You know what I sold like barely any of any of and got barely any fucking play on the table. Wickets. Wickets. Like Amazing. they they barely got touched at all. And what did sell were all the knives that never knew move off the website, like Bushcrafters, Bush Lights, all the Mulkeens pretty much sold except for one. And like it wasn't a very active show. I mean, there were a ton of lucky lose on Sunday, but it almost felt like more of like a a fair than it was an actual maker market like they were advertising it to us yeah. as because like when people would tell them like oh it's 200 bucks they're like i don't have 200 cash on me i'm like well then clearly this wasn't marketed right right because like you know that's like a cheap knife on my table right now and yeah. same with like i had a glass blower next to me and he's like yeah that little thing is like 120 bucks and he's like and the people would be like shocked by it. it's like well it's what do you, it's fucking hand-blown octopus wind chime it's pretty fucking intricate <laughs> it looks awesome it looked awesome but i'm like yeah 120 bucks seems absolutely fair for what he's charging for that thing i mean he didn't uh, just go out in the backyard and tinker with some stuff and five minutes later have a craft <laughs> yeah no he actually just pulled it off of the octopus glass tree in his backyard and then put yeah, it on yeah. a string and then put it, it out for sale um so like it was tough for that aspect because it's not like a blade show where people are like showing up with like fucking 30 grand in their pocket ready to spend their whole mortgage payments for the next couple months on knives like there and also they're like expecting the knives to be like that where like we still moved them but it was a lot of people would just be like wow that's expensive wow you didn't forge this and i'd like tell them like (laughs) would you would you buy this if i had twelve hundred dollars to the price and he's like no i'm like well that's probably what it would be if i forged it right yeah like, so there's your extra eight hours of shop time going into mm-hmm. it for it to end up looking like the same way because I want it to look this clean <laughs> anyway. So, like, you're already not going to buy it. Why are you bothering about forging it? You got, like, 20 bucks in your pocket. Go away. Yeah. Um, yeah. People are special. The Mulkeens actually did really well, though, at the show, which I was happy about. And I think it's one of those knives that you just need to get in your hand. And then you just realize, you're like, oh, okay, I see it. Yeah, and I think that you know, I think that happens a lot, especially when we when we go online, right? Because we could see a picture of a knife, but we've never actually handled said knife, so we can get an idea of like maybe I like it, 
And, uh, you know, I've had situations where I said, oh, that's a cool looking knife. I'm going to get it. And then I got it. And I was like, ah, it's not for me. You know, I've also had situations where I'm like, I don't really think I like that knife too much. And then I get it in my hand. And I'm like, this is the knife. <laughs> so, yeah, you're like, this is the one. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, I think definitely having hand time with a knife is, is super important. And I think that's what's cool about, like, you know, having the shows, especially like the knife shows, Blade Show and Georgia Bushcraft coming up in a couple of weeks. Like, you know, it's really a great opportunity for knife enthusiasts to really get their hands on things and see what they uh, really like. So I'm excited. Well, I'm also excited that Georgia Bushcraft tried to confirm they're going to have cell phone service down there because that was my other <laughs> major complaint about this past show is that they didn't have ser- – the service was so spotty and they didn't have like a Wi-Fi station set up for vendors and they didn't have an ATM for people to get cash. So I'm like, how am I supposed to sell my wares, sir and madam? Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> I, I need the internet to make these sales with people's credit cards. Because like I just said before, they didn't have the cash on them. So they weren't ready to buy these kind of things. And we ended up figuring it out where a lot of people actually just went to knivesbynews.com where everything's perfectly uploaded to the website when I don't <laughs> fuck it up. And they ended up actually just buying them off the website and then coming back with the screenshot of the order number. And then I just give them the money for the shipping back on the spot and be like, well, here you go. So we figured it out. But boy, was that stressful because like I know from doing sales and everything else that like the longer you make somebody wait to pull the trigger, like you see the interest waning yeah, in their yeah, eyes. Well, it's, and it's you're that like, apprehension, you know, especially if it's a high ticket item. It's like, I don't know. It's kind mm, of expensive. Yeah. Do I really want to go through all this? Do I really need it? And that's those yeah. thoughts start creeping into your head when you have time. You're like, just swipe the damn card. But like, you know, it's that ended up all working out. So I was happy about that. But it's, you know, like we talk all the time, just figuring it the fuck out. Well, yeah, you know, and it was actually funny, like when you were telling that story, I was thinking about like, you know, to like bring it back to like a preparedness mindset thing here. Like, you know, preparedness, right, is not just obviously a survival thing. It's also a business thing. <laughs> it's a life thing. So here you you are. I'm like, I'm not knocking the people who put the show on because I know that this is, I think they're only their second show. Yeah. But, you know, it's like. You need to be prepared for for these eventualities that, you know, people might have different cell phone services and they don't work in your area. And you want to make sure that the vendors who are paying you a significant sum of money to be at the show can actually do business because that's how you get people that not want to come back the, the following year. So, well, not for nothing. The vendor fair was pretty expensive. It's honestly probably even more expensive than Georgia Bushcraft for what we did. And yeah. I'm like, all right, the least you could do is have a fucking Wi-Fi station for us. Right. And at the very least an ATM or something where people would have access to the money. So money buy. <laughs> yeah, so they can buy the stuff because it's, you know, all you vendors who are selling stuff, if you can't sell stuff because you can't get s- signal, well, it's, that sucks. So, But it was good to see people's reactions to them, see have them yeah. see the knives and everything. I really also didn't have too many real wickets available anyway. Like, I'm still waiting on uh, the one, the Nitro V1s to come back for the CNC handle scale so I could go back to having a G10 Nitro V wicket yeah. under 200 bucks, which would be nice. Yeah, um, I also know you had to pull like 18 or 20 knives off the show table because they sold before you got there. They, so. they literally, like, when I had to go back and we had to send another massive pile, which I'm very thankful for. Um, and that's what I tried to explain to some of the people. They're like, oh, that recognized me. And they're like, oh, we've 
wanted to see this or that. And I'm like, well, I have that one in my pocket, but it ain't available because it's mine. And it's like, you got to sign up for the newsletter because like the stuff that really moves well online all goes through there very fast. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's good stuff, man. I'm glad it was a good show despite the the troubles and the the mishaps and uh, and stuff like that. But, you know. I'm looking forward to Georgia just because it's going to be a very common-centric show, if that makes any sense. Where you're not just – everybody's there for, like, the same kind of stuff. And my wares are that kind of stuff, if that makes any sense. Yeah, I mean, you know, there's definitely – there's definitely a difference in when you're doing a show, um, when you're talking to an enthusiast of something. So it's in this case knives. Like you're talking to knife enthusiasts at Georgia Bushcraft or a Blade Show. It makes it a lot easier because they know what you're talking about. You don't have to like, you know, I don't know, overly excite, mansplain it to them. I don't know. Yes. You know, but when you're dealing with, with a more like casual buyer who's like, oh, like I have a knife because I do things with it. Like they don't understand what eight, the difference between ADCRV2 and 3V and MagnaCut and NitroV is. And they're like, is it rusty or not rusty? Well, <laughs> you know? I forgot to do it this year but I, or that this past show, but I need to do it in all the other shows. Whenever I explain to people that they come water check cut. They're like, oh, so you're just like putting handles on and, you know, making a sheath. I'm like, no, no, no. fuck with. <laughs> like, like, it just took me all day to grind 21 wickets. So it's like there's a lot of work that still needs to go into this to make this a thing. Yes, and even because... explaining to them that the small knife actually is like yesterday. Like I ground a Mulkeen because I'm doing a, what you call making a knife for my jiu-jitsu professor because he's opening up his new school. And I'm not worried about Dave listening to this on Friday before I guess that he should be getting it Thursday anyway. So I ground a Mulkeen. And actually, you would think with a bigger, thicker stock, it would be more effort to grind. It was easier to grind the Mulkeen than it was the Wicket because it's such a thick stock. I wasn't as worried about it overheating and burning because the Wickets get to such a fine tip. And the Wickets, you have to burn through a lot of belts to get it that finely ground. So it's like, even though it's starting in a thin stock still a lot of material that you have to remove to get that profile. So it's like, but explaining that to people who aren't knife people is very yeah. difficult. How this small little knife could be $225, but then that big <laughs> yeah. Malkeen is 325 And it's like, well, I had to do all the same steps to make it. Yeah, and we've we've said this before, but I think people just don't quite understand the the uh what goes into the cost of a knife. You know, they think, oh materials, right? Well materials is probably the smallest cost and the work that goes into it is is the highest cost, you know, in the in the cost of the equipment and the cost of your time. So Absolutely. Like, you know, that's that's the thing, you know, just because it's a small knife doesn't mean that it doesn't take just as much time to make that small knife or more time, depending on the grind. Right. Than it does to do a larger knife. So, well, at Georgia, though, I'm expecting it to be less of a crowd of like them seeing a knife maker for their first time and having to have to have everything explained to them where they're just going to already know. Yeah, these are handmade. Like there's a lot of work that goes into these things, just like the same way like Blade Show, where like you. You don't really have to explain that much how much effort goes into grinding them because everybody yeah. here is doing the same fucking thing. Yeah. Like, yeah, exactly. for the most part, at least. Exactly. Well, man, that's that's good stuff. And I, I hear you had uh, some some car trouble while you were down there. <laughs> God. <laughs> you know, and it just rains, it pours. Um, 
going down there, you know, it's just because uh, I don't drive that much anymore because I work from home. So the truck is only running out for errands and stuff like that. So especially in the long drives is where the pop, the problems start to pop up. And conveniently, it happens right before we're going to Georgia Bushcraft with this truck. So knock on wood. But like even driving down there, I'm like, oh, cool. Check engine code came on and it's fucking O2 sensor shit the bed. I'm like, all right. And I know the sparkulators need to get done at this point because the last time I did them was at 60K and now it's at 120. But then at one point when I was driving down there, no, driving back from the Pine Barrens, my oil pressure went down to just drop to zero pressures. So I had yeah, none, so I had none of the want. pressures anymore. <laughs> So I was driving down the road worried that my oil pan just dropped out or something. I'm like, fuck me sideways. And all of a sudden, as I'm already thinking that, that now my engine has no oil, I went to having all of the oil pressures. I'm like, cool. Now my engine's going to blow up on me. Mm-hmm. So it, But then it's yeah. like bouncing back and forth for that. And I'm like, God damn it. And then I was assuming it was just the sensor. But I don't like to assume these things before I'm about to be doing like four hours of driving in a day <laughs> yeah, with yeah, that yeah. truck. So <laughs> I ended up I was staying down at my parents who lived down the shore and I ended up having to do the oil there because by the time we got back on Saturday, all like I was gonna just go to a quickie loop or something just to have them do it so I didn't have to buy everything. But they were all closed because it was like 6.30 on a Saturday, so there wasn't any of them open. And our show, we had to be there in the morning at like 7.30 to set up. So I'm like, well, I guess I'm doing this at my parents' house. And I got to buy all the tools that I have here. Well, not all of them because I still had the toolkits and everything in the truck, but I ended up getting the ramps. I had to get by all the other stuff. I I buy the filters and oil for my truck in bulk off of Wally World because it's the cheapest way to do it because I know you're going to need it at some point. So I always have them. But then I'm going to AutoZone and paying for it there anyway. I'm like, God damn it. And the best part is I didn't have any like work clothes to put on to do it. So I was out changing my oil at like 8.30 in a retirement community, wearing a pair of basketball shorts and a workout shirt and my brunt boots. <laughs> it's quite it, the look, man. It was quite the look. And people there were already looky-loos because nothing else is going on. So yeah. they were looking at this spectacle of redneckery that was going on in their neighborhood. And I'm like, oh, please don't call the cops on me. I swear I'm supposed to be here. <laughs> You know what though, like like you know, it's funny though because even though you had to spend some money on tools, you probably spent a lot less money than you would have had to if you brought it to a shop to have that work done. Oh yeah, which is which is cool. So you know, I mean, that's a, once again a testament to preparedness. Even though you didn't have all the tools you needed, you had the skills, right? Well, <laughs> so. yeah, and I also have the know how of like how Friday I'm dropping this thing off at the yeah. mechanic shop because he's got to do some other things like. Because even those sensors that went, they're not the hardest thing to do. However, of course, you need a special oxygen sensor fucking socket. Of and then course. you need. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then to get to the filter, the oil thing, it's like all the way down in there. And I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to. And the drive shaft U joints are pretty shot. So, like, I'm going to have him just do a once over on it. And I'm just going to do what I do and make knives for money and then pay that man for what he does best, which there is work on go. cars. That <laughs> and is, that's how these symbiotic relationships work. Yeah, yeah, that is that is what it's all about, man. Well, that's good stuff, man. Well, I'm glad you had a good show. I'm glad your uh, engine didn't seize up on you because all the oil fell out of your car. And uh, yeah, and it's, it's good stuff. I, I did. Uh, I went to Angry Orchard this weekend, which yeah. is uh 
I, you know, I don't know. Everybody knows what Angry Orchard is, like a bottled uh, apple cider. This is cidery. Yeah, hard hard cider. Um, and I honestly had no idea that this was even local to me. It's about an hour up in uh, from me up in Walden, New York. And uh, my sister was like, oh, I'm going to go to this place. You want to meet up? So I was like, yeah, sure, whatever. I wasn't even like – didn't even like put two and two together until I got there. I'm like, oh, wait. Is this like Angry Orchard, like the – like that big-ass company? So, yeah, it was. And um, it was a very interesting experience. Um, a lot of people, very, very busy, very outdoors-orientated uh, place because it's, you know, an apple orchard, right? And uh, outdoor seating and all that stuff. And we had just come off of, you know, like three or four days of rain uh, because of some tropical storm that rolled up through here. And uh, one of my favorite things to do in life is to observe people and see what they're doing and uh, and how they're failing at things. And, you know, a lot of the people that came up to, to Angry Orchard over the weekend were clearly from like, you know, New York City or whatever it is. And they were desperately, desperately attending to look the part of being outdoorsy with, you know, cargo pants and camo and plaid flannel, everything. Um, but where most of them failed was their footwear because they did not have the appropriate footwear on. So they're all wearing like, you know, Nike and Gucci and Prada shoes, sneakers and whatever it is. And the ground is saturated. So, yep. you know, there I am. I got my brunt boots on. So my feet are nice and warm and dry and, and no issues. And they're all just with soggy, sopping feet. Like th their feet were so wet. You know that sound? That it mm -hmm. makes when they look like slosh, slosh, slosh when they're walking. I was like, oh man, you're all gonna have a bad day. Um, but you know, I just, I, I personally think that's funny. Um, because not that I, you know, I feel bad that obviously everyone's got wet, sl sloppy feet, probably getting blisters and all kinds of other foot issues. Um, but you know, it just it goes back to a lack of preparedness. And, uh, you know, they come, they come up from an environment where this is not footwear that you need and they go into an environment where this is this is footwear that you do need you know i mean I'm, I'm at the point where it's like even up by me like i don't own a pair of sneakers anymore because why <laughs> you know it's like it's always wet it's always disgusting it's always whatever like you know and i'm just gonna wear boots so that's what i do but um i don't know anyway i thought that was i thought that was funny i think it's a definitely a lesson um, and honestly, it's not even just going up to the outdoors that these people need to be start being prepared for. But if you've if you guys seen any videos of what New York City looked like last weekend or last week, wow, yeah. subways like just water pouring into subways and uh, and flooding and mass flooding. And the the thing that kills me about it is that everyone just goes on about their day like, oh, it's fine. Like, I see people trying to drive cars through three and a half feet of water and their car's getting stuck. Or people trying to get to their next subway train when they're when they're literally waist deep in water. Like, what are you doing? Go home. Yeah, I, it's <laughs> people. I don't know. They they don't know because they don't know. And they're also. But that's just a little ignorance to all of it. And I mean, I don't know. They, so you don't want to see them be put into the bad spot, but that's sometimes how you learn. You just hope that it's just not you destroying your car for you to learn the yeah, lesson. Well, yeah, I mean, I get it. Like, New York City is the city that never sleeps, and everybody is just used to being able to do everything at all the time. And you know what? Like, I, I grew up in, in, you know, urban, suburban New York, so I'm very familiar with, with that 
convenience that we're that we're all um, accustomed to when it comes when it comes uh, to to living in the city and being having access to all this stuff. But you know, now I'm I'm three years basically living up here in 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 Sticks, Connecticut, and like let me tell you, like when the weather's bad, shit just shuts down. Yeah. Oh, the weather's bad. School's closed. Have a great day. Oh, it's snowing. Weather's bad. School's closed. Jobs closed. That's it. You, that's just what it is. It's just a matter of of safety and practicality. And I think that's something that we have, you know, living in in the areas that we live in, because we understand um, that if the power goes out, you know, it might not come back on for a while. You yeah. Know? And it's even something that's like noticing that there's something that may be awry, like the rain. Like before we that all that rain came in, we pulled our little fishing boat because I'm like, fuck this. You know, it's like you're expecting these problems to come. And it's like the pontoon boat's obviously fine because it's a pontoon boat. But like that one, I'm like, I knew it was going to get pulled up with water and we're going away to the show. So I'm like, I don't want to have to come back to have a submarine in the lake. Or even like when we were down in LBI, like, because that's where my parents lived. They live like 20 minutes from LBI. We were driving over, just, it was raining on Friday, but we were just getting out of the house, taking the easy. And before we were going over to the bridge, I'm seeing all the tidal waters and I'm like, ooh, that's pretty high. So one thing before we went across the way onto the island where there's no going back seasons, I checked the tide and we were on an outgoing tide. So I'm like, okay, the water's only going to go down from here, which is good. However, if that was low tide and it was looking like that, yeah, homeboy wouldn't be driving onto an island where I'm now going to be stuck until the water recedes in another couple hours. Yeah, it's just it's just like it's just that practical application of of your knowledge of things, right? And your ability to observe the environment around you and that's like, you know, that's where that complacency that we always talk about comes in. Like when you become so complacent that everything's going to be okay, you put yourself in these really ridiculous situations. Like if there was waist deep water in a subway station, I wouldn't be in the subway station. Yeah. Because I, you know, I don't know. Now I'm not an engineer, so I don't know. But I mean, I just think a whole lot of water in an enclosed space is a bad thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, especially when there's water pour- pouring out of the walls. Like, what happens if if a wall collapses or something like that and you get stuck? Like, no, granted, I don't think any of that happened, which is great. But these are the things that I think about and these are the observations that I make. And I guess, I don't know, I mean, you can call that paranoid, but, like, crazier things have happened, <laughs> you know? like Yes. And it's like, you know, these things do happen. And it's like, everybody, it's never going to happen to me. But it's like, oh, well, you say that until it does. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I I don't know. It's just it, to me it, it's just it's so funny how complacent people are and how unprepared people are. And then they they experience these things and I would hope that, you know, after they experience a thing, right? They say I'm going to be more prepared for it next time. But they're not. <laughs> you know, I don't want to say everybody, right? But you know, I I don't know. It's just let's get out of this this complacency and let's get out of our comfort zone of thinking that nothing bad can potentially happen and face the reality that bad stuff can happen and it's not because you're a bad person it's just because you're in the wrong place at the wrong time or you know you live in an environment like new york city that's not capable of handling this much rain and you got this much rain like well to be fair they're living on an island they're living on an island not only are they living on an island new york city is essentially built on top of waterways 
Yeah. So what happens when it rains, because there's all these under under the ground, right? There's all these like creeks and rivers and things that, that actually run underneath the ground. So when those water levels come up, it's not just the water coming in from the top. It's the water level rising from the bottom. So it's it's a it's a it's a recipe for a really bad situation if these kind of rain situations keep occurring um, by us, which I hope they stop sometime soon because my air compressor don't like it. Yeah. <laughs> I've been try- it's been too moist on top of me running the moisture. Uh, I run water while I'm grinding knives. And I'm like, with all of that, I'm like fucking swimming in there like SeaWorld right now. And yeah, it yeah, needs man, to it's, chill it's, the fuck out. It's pretty wild. Like, you know, it's been, it's thankfully been sunny for the last couple of days here, or at least kind of overcast um, and warm. So I, I got some time out back in the woods and, you know, even parts of the trails where it's usually damp at most, uh, upwards mm-hmm. of a foot of water in some places, you know, just like still running. The water is still running, you know? Yeah. Um, and the ground is still saturated. So it's still, you know, it's still pretty nasty. Like trees are still coming down because of the, of the highly saturated ground. And um, a lot of trees came down. Um, not because of the wind, but just because there's so much water. So uh, my my usual spot is uh, pretty much demolished, which made me sad. <laughs> sad times. Sad times, but you know I'll find I'll find a new one, or maybe I'll clean it up one day. You'll but, find um, another way. Yeah, exactly. Adapt, overcome. Um, so yes, yeah, so that was that was kind of my my story about uh, about hipsters in. Angry Orchard not being prepared for. Well, now we have to deal with it going up the mountain because it's apple season up here. Oh, so boy. We get, we get at New York City is only about an hour from us, and now we are in prime leaf peeper season. Yeah. So I am now ready on the weekends to not leave the mountain because you can't get back up. And I'm like, when I said that, it's like there's a literally traffic backed up for like 35, 40 minutes just to get up the mountain because everybody else, everybody and their mother is coming, which is always funny when people like, they all have the same idea and then are shocked that it's busy up here. And it's like, yes, none of this is a creative idea. This is, this is not new. Like Um, when it was, uh, what's called Labor Day weekend and we're going down the lake and way beyond the, down the road from us is a state park with the big glacier lake there. And it gets like, it's fucking filled by like 9am. Like there's no more parking. The park police doesn't let anybody else in. But then people are still showing up at one being like, oh my God, I can't believe it's so packed. I can't believe I can't get in. Like driving up to us as we're about to go on the boat, be like, hey, can we come on this? We're like, no, go fuck yourselves. Welcome. <laughs> go away. <laughs> yeah, go away. Private lake. They're like, oh, well, we just really want to take the kids somewhere out to swim. I'm like, should have thought about that when you left at fucking 11 yeah, o'clock. Right. Yeah. Like, because everybody know, else had the same idea. I was I was talking to my wife and I was saying, like, you know, it's so funny because, like, people, like, you know, they come up from the city and they think that we're, like, a bunch of hillbillies, you know, like, Oh, they're they're just a bunch of country pumpkins. They're they're dumb and they don't you know whatever. They're weird and and they're unfriendly. Like it, it's not it's not that we're unfriendly because we're 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 friendly, but you guys are dumb. Yes, <laughs> I, I say that in the nicest way possible. But you you just have no idea of of like what goes on outside of your little concrete box area, and then you come up here to our area and expect. You're like the the amenities and privileges that you have in your place to to exist in. Well, it's in, like I have a problem. That's not how it works. 
if other people want to come up here. But at the same time, it's like we like it up here on our lake because it is private, because everybody takes care of it, because we all have a stake in it. Where when you get people that aren't from the area, they're normally the ones who fuck it all up because they don't have to deal with it afterwards. Where that's why even like Airbnbs aren't allowed on the lake. They're not allowed to use the lake. It's not part of the Airbnb because that's where people have done stupid shit. Like everybody going kayaking in the middle of the night in the main channel with no lights or anything and like complaining that they're almost getting hit by boats. It's like, well... Yeah. Like, yeah. Welcome to the sure? party, pal. <laughs> right. Like you're, you're you're doing the wrong thing. You're in the channel, and it's like you know, it's it's you're not supposed to be doing that. And it's like they're the ones who make a mess and everything else. It's like not saying that we're up here being perfect, but also if somebody starts fucking around in the lake, we all know where each other live. So yeah, it's exactly. like you're, you're exactly. not. So it's very polite up here. But not with stuff like that, because it's like, no, we just like the way it is. Because and if you're going to become be a part of it, that's fine. But it's like, don't come up here just to fuck it all up and then leave, because now we still have to deal with it. Well, like, yeah, I remember- I mean, that's that's the reality of it. And like I said, like I grew up in the city, so I I know, you know, I I was that person, and then yeah. I I left, you know, and I and I learned and I adjusted my lifestyle. Accordingly. <laughs> well, I remember so. once it was during the summertime, it was like in July, we this car pulled out of the state park up by us, clearly going back to wherever the hell they were from. And the guy just like in front of us, like pulled over on the side of the road on somebody's yard and just started taking a piss on the side of the road. And I'm like, all right, well, you may think this is the country, but this is the main road in our town. <laughs> right, and yeah. you're like, you're not in the country, but that's somebody's <laughs> yard. Like, right. what the fuck? <laughs> what the fuck are you doing? And yeah, it's right. like, but that we look at that, we're like, yeah, this is why people get so fucking cranky during the summer season up here and apple season because people up here, they, if they're not from the area, they don't give a shit. It's not their fucking problem to deal with. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, you know, I, I see that a lot. Like we have um, a tavern in, in town and the food is phenomenal, like just really good food. But, you know, if you're going to the tavern, like you're going to be prepared to sit at the tavern for like an hour and a half. You know what I mean? Like, it's not going to be like, it's not, you know, your McDonald's. It's not your 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 diner on the turnpike. Like, you're going to sit there. They're going to take their time. You're going to get your food. You're going to enjoy it. That's going to be great. But, you know, I have seen people come up to the area who are visiting that are just like, wow, why is this taking so long? And like, whatever it is, like, because that's how long it takes, dude. Like, shush. Your, just, your food isn't frozen somewhere in the back. Like, when, when they're making your mac and cheese, it's because they're they're making that shit from scratch. It's really fucking good. Yeah, they're still fermenting the cheese as we speak. Yeah. You know, um, but it's like, uh, but yeah, it's just it's just a different mentality, I guess. But I, you know, I don't know. I well, we were talking about it when I was, because uh, I was talking to my neighbor the other day about the road trip coming up down to Georgia. And he lived down there for a little bit when he was working construction down there. And he's like, you know... Because we were talking about the differences of up here and then down there and even just all the transient traffic of what all these towns on the way down, like I-95, had to deal with from all the tourists from up north. And he even reminded me, not that I needed the reminding of this, but he's like, sirs and ma'ams get you a fucking long way down there because they're not used to hearing that coming from somebody with New Jersey plates. Which I'm like, well, yeah, it's probably a nice change of pace for them because I can only imagine the assholes from up here that they had to fucking deal with driving down to their fucking third yeah. house down in Florida that are stopping and expecting the world to cater to them and what they're used to. And it's like you're in the middle of Virginia. Like this is not where you're from. Like well, things I, I think things it's... work the way they work here because this is how it is before you and after you. Yeah. And I, I hate to say it, but it is a very it's a very American thing to do. Um 
because, you know, I, I've seen a lot of this uh, while traveling abroad, and I'm sure we can talk to Ruben about this at some point, too. It's like Americans travel to other places and they just expect their Americanness to be wherever it is that they go. And, you know, I, I always make a very conscious effort to adapt to the culture of the places or at least be respectful of the culture of the places that I'm visiting, whether it be another state another region of the country or another country altogether, you know, it's, you definitely get more respect from the local populace if you are being respectful of their customs, you know what I mean? And it's, you know, like I said, that extends to different states and regions of this country as well as, as other places, you know? Well, I've realized too, most people don't have a problem giving you a hard time if you even say like, hey, I'm not from the area, I'm just looking for a hand. Like, they won't give you that hard of a time. But if you come up, like, abruptly and, like, you know, trying to demand how this works or that works or, you know, expecting people just to give you the information you need. And it's, like, that's – it's the expecting that turns people off where it's, like, if you – like, you know – if you go up to somebody and ask them, especially like a gas station or something, like, hey, I'm really just trying to find out where I'm going or where this is. Do you mind giving me a hand? If not, it's all right. And, like, that normally already sets it off as not you being a dickhead, just... Yeah, exactly. Like, don't don't make the assumptions. And, you know, and like I said, every every place that you go to is going to be a little bit different than the other place. And it, it was one of the biggest culture shocks I had when I moved from where I lived in New York to where I live in Connecticut. Now, mind you, it is an hour and a half, so it's not even, like, a really long trip or geographic difference, right? But everybody here talks to you. And, you know, in New York, like, nobody talks to anybody, like, unless they bump into them in the street and then they'll curse at each other, you know, whatever it is. But everybody here talks to you. So you go to the grocery store, you're going to talk to people. Like, you're going to talk to people in the aisles. You're going to talk to the person checking out. Like, everybody wants to have a conversation. The politeness is is highly appreciated in this area of the world. And it was a little bit of an adjustment for me because I wasn't used to that. So, like, people would start talking to me and I'd be like, uh, why? What do you want? What kind of <laughs> what kind of charity? Where are is you this? With? Where yeah. is this going? Are you asking for something? No, they're just being friendly. Um, <laughs> Ew. <laughs> but, you know, but it, it's but that's that's the thing though. It's like it's a very small town mentality because everybody knows everybody else. So that's just kind of the way the way it is. You know, I mean, we have one supermarket in town, so it's like if you go to the supermarket, chances are you see the same people, same cashiers every time you go to the supermarket, yeah. and. You know, you go to the restaurant, you see the same waitress, the same hostess, and, you know, so on and so forth. So it was funny. It was, Lauren it was, was uh, walking the dogs down my parents' place. And when we were taking the dogs for a walk, she just waved at a car that I was driving by. And the car just looked at her like like the driver was yeah. like so confused. Like, who <laughs> so are you? Weird. Why are you waving at me? Yeah. I don't know you. We're like up where we live. It's like if you don't do the wave, they're like, what the fuck are you doing? In yeah, our like, why are you like, like, why are you, you know? being why are you why a dick? You, why are you being weird? Why didn't you wave? <laughs> just be fucking friendly and just wave. <laughs> and but then it's like we went two hours down the shore and it felt like a completely different place. I'm like, oh yeah, we're back in New Jersey. Where yeah, I'm sure a lot of those people were transplants from the city or Bergen County or other places that nobody listened to this podcast knows about because these are all just like suburban places of offshoots of New York City, pretty much. Yeah. That, you know, they all have a New Yorker mentality. Yeah, it's it's just it's like a you know it's just a weird thing. I mean, like I was outside in the driveway the other day, and my neighbor across the street just came over just to say 
hello, you know, and chit chat for a couple minutes. And there is, you know, it's just, it's just one of those things where it's like, if you're not used to that, it's, it's different. Now I've been here for a couple of years now, so I'm used to it, but. You my know. neighbor pulled up the other day on this fucking side by side and I was still working on my truck and I'm like, oh, Kevin, I'm like, get the fuck out of here. Shop's closed. He's like, no, it ain't garage doors open and the lights are on. That means it's fair game for me to come here and fucking take your time. And I'm like, fuck off. And I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm like, you're right. That is the unwritten code. The garage door is open and yeah, the lights and, are on. And it's the that truth. means I could come hang out. I'm like, no, my garage door is my shop, you dick. Now get out of yeah. here. But then I ended up just drinking beers and hanging out with him and not doing what I was supposed to do. So, well, you know. that's not always, that's oh, not no. always a bad thing. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I got I got another story, another another people interaction story for uh, for this podcast that I wanted to talk about. So, uh, I was at my bus stop the other day with my kids and well, with one of my with my son Logan because my daughter is old enough to go to the bus stop by herself now. And uh, we were waiting for the bus, and there's a whole bunch of kids and adults and stuff like like gathering. Uh, you know, like like right off on the, on the grass portion, and uh, they're all looking at these mushrooms. Mm-hmm. And uh, they're like, "Oh, look at these mushrooms! These are the coolest mushrooms!" And they're touching the mushrooms, and they're looking, they're poking the mushrooms, and they're all kinds of stuff. And uh, so I go over there because I want to see the mushrooms too. <laughs> and um, so I'm looking at these mushrooms, and you know, there was a, one of the parents was one of the fathers was like, "Oh, I don't know what this is. It's a really cool looking mushroom." And I'm looking at it, I'm like. That is a eastern fly agaric. I don't know if I said the, that right because I pronounce that wrong all the time. He's, and he's like, "Oh, what kind of mushroom is that?" It's like it's the kind of mushroom that if you if you eat it, you're gonna trip balls and then probably have some convulsions and seizures and vomiting and all that kind of stuff. And he goes, "Oh," I said, "So yeah, so maybe you guys don't want to touch this." They're like, oh, that's a good idea. So now, like, now the mushrooms, it's like nobody goes near the eat the grass where the mushrooms are because they're afraid of them. Um, but, you know, it, it's just another one of those things like, oh, complacency strikes again. Like, here are mushrooms and they are cool and I want to touch them, not realizing that if you handle these mushrooms, then maybe stick your fingers in your mouth. You might have you might have an experience. Well, somebody <laughs> had to figure out that the mushrooms are toxic. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's funny. I and mean, this is this is a mushroom that has a, a tremendous amount of history and culture behind it. It's been used in, you know, spiritual reasons in various cultures all over the world. And uh, it's widely distributed and all that stuff. But, you know, it just goes it just goes to show you, like, I'm not saying that everyone needs to be an expert on the plants and fungi that live in their area. I've studied for a long time to become familiar with these things. But if you don't know what it is, you probably don't want to touch it. It's yeah, just, no touch. Just a just a thought, you know, and um, you know, especially when you have kids, you know, and now granted, like I I don't know what these people's background, you know, I don't know if they if they moved from the city recently, you know, I don't know if they're familiar with this kind of stuff, but it seems like a lot of the people around here are familiar with a lot of the things that grow around here because I know I do have some foraging competition because I've gone back to Shit's see things disappear. that, that yeah. I that I wanted and uh, the next day and they were gone so somebody gathered it before me so bastards that's well you know what I mean that's fine I'm I'm happy I'm, I'd rather have yeah. people doing that than than not but it's just like you know but be aware of this is just being aware of your surroundings and if you're not familiar with something like don't don't fuck with it yeah um. 
you know, because this this particular variety, the uh, the Amita, Amita Amitra mushroom, is responsible for so many poisonings around around the world um, on a, on an annual basis. One because people are dumb and it looks cool, so they want to touch it, and two because people read on the internet that this mushroom makes you trip out. So I'm going to go <laughs> eat a whole bunch of it Let's and go then for a get, ride. Then they get sick and die because they don't understand that you know, like everything else, there's dosing. <laughs> You know? Yeah. So it's like I, you know, you could like it's like alcohol, right? Like if you have one shot of whiskey, you're good. If you have twenty five shots of whiskey, you get your stomach pumped. <laughs> you know? Or it's, or uh, you're really good. Or you're really good. Depending on how Irish you are, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> but well, uh, yeah, so I don't know. That's that's that was that's it for my stories of, of human interactions for the week. But uh, lots of I good think observations and takeaways. Get to marching towards profitability anywhere oh, right now because yes. I have you a lot make of knives or something. Well, yeah, we were just talking before this podcast of how I'm like, oh, it's already October 4th and <laughs> yeah. we leave for Georgia in like three weeks and I need to make a pile of knives just for a Georgia. pile of knives. On top of It'll, stuff to still sell stuff during to sell the sell on weeks. the website so you can pay your mortgage. Yeah, that's, uh, yeah so I'm like, oh, this is going to be – it's going to be a, a fun couple of weeks. Maybe at some point I'll get out and go deer hunting. That would be cool. Yeah. But, uh, that's nice. We'll yeah, that would be nice. We'll see. <laughs> All right. Well, then on that note, my friends – Thank you for joining us. As always, uh, if you like what you're listening to, give us all the stars. All of them. All of just them. one, five, five or four. Don't I don't know what the maximum amount is. Cheap. Whatever the maximum amount of stars, stars are free. Try stars six. Are free. See if it works. Six, yeah. I don't know. It. Has anybody yeah, tried anything. six? I don't know. Leave her anyway. saying you tried to leave six. <laughs> anyway, so thanks a lot, guys. And uh, we'll be back with you all next week about with some other crazy nonsense. I don't know. Probably. Um, probably. I don't know. Or, or just me bitching about shit yeah, again. Yeah, you might just get the two of us falling asleep on, on, on our computer screens demanding. Yeah. As Nick's <laughs> telling me, I don't work enough. Like, I don't tell you you don't work enough. Don't give me that shit. You said I, I didn't you, make enough. I, listen, I told you yesterday uh-huh. that, you, that you should take it easy, that you came off a really good month and you should relax a little bit. And you, what did you say? You said, no. I said, Very fuck off, pussy. <laughs> yeah, something like that. So something, you know what? Something, something angry with a lot of curse words along those yeah, terms. So and anyway, so I'm gonna go sit on my bed and write some stuff while you go do manual labor. So fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll go fuck myself. See you guys later. Bye.